guys after a couple of weeks off for summer holidays we are back with the Marshall View and what a way to kickstart the Marshall View again with Mr Kevin O'Hagan who I'm absolutely privileged to have on he is a genuine guy highly respected um, world-renowned martial artists and um, combat instructor so thank you so much for coming on Kevin how are you doing you're welcome Dan yeah I'm good thank you yes Perfect. So you've got such a background and you've got over 40 years in the martial arts so far. What keeps you coming back? Just had a passion for it. It was um, something that from a 14 year old boy, I'd become interested in and um, been interested and in training ever since. Just just loved it. It was uh, it was something that I was looking for and it just suited me perfectly. So um, I love my journey and getting to where I was, but also then enjoyed teaching and getting other people to their, their goals as well. And that still keeps me teaching today. Yeah, perfect. So you said you started at 14 and was that with the traditional Japanese jiu-jitsu at that point or did you move into that? No, point? no. Um, back then, uh, it was 1975. It was like the era of Bruce Lee. Okay. Everybody wanted to do Kung Fu. And um, that's where I, where I started. Uh, and I've done that for a couple of years. Uh, when the, cl the club finally folded um, for a little while, I'd done Taekwondo and um, I was into the, the punching and kicking side just simply because Bruce Lee was my, my idol at that time and a great influence. But then a friend of mine um, asked me if I wanted to go along to an Aikido class and um, I went along and to be honest, I just thought I, I, I can't get along with this. Yeah. And he said, well, give it a month and see what you think. So I give it a month and I must admit the instructor, uh, a guy who thinks John Bennett become very influential in my training. He um, spent a lot of time and effort to try and help us. And I, I felt that I needed to give this a shot and not just walk away from it. Yeah. And ultimately um, I trained in Aikido for four years in all the styles directly under Japanese instruction, which was fantastic. But then that began to moved me towards jiu-jitsu I, I knew there was a link between you know aikido jiu-jitsu aikijitsu yeah and um when i seen jiu-jitsu it seemed to include everything that i was looking for it had the strike inside it had the the grappling the throwing etc and um that's really when i began to look for jiu-jitsu because i knew this is what i wanted to really do yeah awesome yeah so four years of aikido then and I'd argue that Aikido is one of the main arts that gets quite a lot of stick. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of bullshito out there. There's a lot of no-touch knockouts. It's not got the best reputation. What's your kind of opinion on that as someone who's... No, it hasn't. I think, um, I think really it's like um, every martial art. Uh, there's different people's interpretation of what they believe that art may be. Um, in Aikido, for some people, it was quite soft, almost Tai Chi-like, some of the movements yet other guys I train with, if um, you said to them, I don't think your Aikido is effective, they would certainly tell you different. And I found as you went around different parts of the country, that would vary. I, I train with quite a few guys up in uh, Glasgow in Scotland and um, right. they can make their Aikido work without a doubt. <laughs> They've got um, no choice there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I was fortunate to train with a, a legendary uh, Aikido master, Chiba Sensei, who's sagging no longer with us. But in the 70s, 80s, he had an absolutely fearsome reputation. He was like a samurai that was put into modern times. Yeah. And his Aikido was very direct, 
very um, similar to maybe early Steven Seagal portrayals in his films, you know, and um, yeah, definitely, you know, there's elements of it, but the same as everything, you've got to stay around in it long enough to appreciate it and, um, you know, pick up on those techniques. So yeah, mixed thoughts with it, really, it just depends on the individual, I think. Perfect, yeah. So it led you to the Japanese jiu-jitsu then, like you said, it kind of, you know, filled in maybe some of the gaps that you were looking for with the, with the throwing and the striking. Yeah, um, I think the, the jiu-jitsu, I was, I was seeing it in magazines and reading bits and pieces about it, and um, it seemed to concentrate on the more combative side of martial arts, very much self-defence orientated, which at the time as a young man, that's, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. So that's what led me towards it. And it seemed to be a, a complete martial art where it, where it covered everything. Um, but for me, there was nothing in a 50 mile radius of Bristol. So um, I knew I was going to have to travel to get my instruction. And that started a journey of me traveling up to the north, Liverpool, particularly North Wales, where it was a big stronghold and seeking out instructors uh, that would train me. Most weekends I would be away training weekends with them yeah. and then bringing back that knowledge and gradually uh, working with a small group of people with the view of trying to start my own club. Um, there was nothing jiu-jitsu wise down here. I think once you sort of pass London, Birmingham, um, everybody thought, well, that's it. There's nothing beyond uh, in the <laughs> Southwest. And I was determined to put Bristol on the map and to try and establish jiu-jitsu in the Southwest. So it become a, a bit of a mission for me, to be honest. And for quite a few years, that was my goal to um, be able to establish uh, reputable jiu-jitsu in the Southwest and Bristol, particularly my hometown. Perfect. And how did, how did you find that? Did you find that the people were kind of quite open to jiu-jitsu or um, did you struggle kind of? Um, I, I think up? at the time, um, Bristol predominantly was karate, Wadawu karate was massive, Taekwondo become massive, and there really wasn't any other diverse systems. So in fact, when I eventually opened up my first club, um, people absolutely loved it because it was really something different. They, they hadn't seen anything like it. And um, again, there's, there's many different interpretations of jiu-jitsu, but um, some of my instructors, uh, they were from a, a military or security background. So they had adapted their jiu-jitsu really for, you know, the doors and for the real world. So um, what I was teaching was maybe different to, to some other jiu-jitsu systems. And I, I think people just liked that practicality. Um, there was sort of no holes barred, no rules, anything went. And um, people just love that freedom, I think, particularly if you come from a traditional martial art. Same as myself, with four years in Aikido, when I eventually found Jiu-Jitsu, it was like um, the leash was let off. You could do all these wonderful things that before and might have been frowned upon, but now people say, no, that's all right, you can do this, you can headbutt, you can bite people, you can break their arms, all this sort of thing. You thought, you know, if I was a kid in a sweet shop, it's sort of 20 years of age, I thought, this is, this is what I want. Yeah. So I guess... Um, that translated to people who trained with me, that enthusiasm that I had for the art. Hopefully people sort of, um, you know, took that on board and enjoyed it. So, um, yeah, they were great early pioneering days and I enjoyed them. Yeah, perfect. You said that kind of the reality based or the self-defense was always forefront of your mind at that point. Was that because you were experiencing stuff in self or the way you needed to defend yourself in, in, rea in real life? Or was yeah. it just part of your personality you wanted to question some of the traditional aspects and see if it worked in, yeah. in, in reality or in, in application, I suppose. Yeah. Well, as a, as a youngster, you know, I, I, I 
I've, so I've grew up in a quite a tough multiracial neighborhood and um, there was always the potential of violence or danger on the doorstep. So as a young sort of 14, 15 year old, I wasn't uh, particularly big uh, for my age. So I always felt vulnerable. And um, a lot of my, the martial arts that I learned really was to predominantly be able to look after myself when I was out and about, because I moved into teenage years and, you know, sort of early twenties. Um, I, I was looking for a, a arts that would um, help me defend myself predominantly more so than just doing it for, for the, the pleasure. Yeah. Um, also, um, through my early instructors, which was uh, Mike Marshall, against that, you no longer here, Dave Turton, who, who's obviously uh, well-known, and Mickey Upham, like I said, they all um, taught from a, a very practical side of things through their own experiences, and um, they were a great influence to me how I trained and taught jujitsu, and also um, the mindset of wanting to use it as a practical combative art rather than just a, a martial art to train in. So yeah, it did did help me a lot and give me a lot of confidence in my younger days. Fantastic, good. And obviously, you caught the bug for it because you know now, kind of forty years later plus, you're still teaching, you're still training it, and you know having such a rich history in, in going into MMA, submission grappling some of the early, early no-holds-barred competitions back in the 90s. How did, how did the competition side come across or how did it all develop? Yeah, um, again, uh, competition-wise, there was lots of competition for karate, for judo, but there was really nothing for jiu-jitsu. And because predominantly jiu-jitsu was a self-defense art, there was really no sport inside thought about it. But if you wanted to test yourself, if you wanted to, you know, put some of these techniques on the line and see if they'd actually work under pressure, um, then jujitsu people were really looking for some format that would be on a level playing field. If you went into karate competition, but if you favoured throwing, you were at disadvantage, yeah. vice versa for judo. So um, uh, one of the early uh, competitions was set up was called Jujitsu Kumite, and it was in. Uh, set up by uh, a gentleman called Ross Ilacaro, who's a, a quite well-known jiu-jitsu instructor in Birmingham. And he allowed uh, striking and grappling together. And it was the first format and it preceded MMA, knockdown Budo, all, all the things that come along, come on after it. And yeah. this was great for, for myself and other people because now you could actually test those skills in that live environment. Yeah. So um, that was, first of all, the, the major purpose was just to go and up and put together some of these techniques and seeing how they work. So I took a team up there and, and we went up there and um, it, it was great. We'd done really well. I, the first time around in my way, I won a gold medal. Uh, second year, I come back and just lost in the final narrowly and took a silver medal from it, which um, was nice, but I didn't predominantly go up there to win trophies and medals. It was just to test myself. I've, I've always throughout my martial arts career wanted to, to test myself uh, and see how things hold up, how I handle fear, adrenaline, uh, all the things that go hand in hand with, with combat. I, I believe you, you, know, you, you can't teach this unless you've had some type of experience in it, no matter what it is. And I felt that put me in a better stead to um, be able to teach jujitsu and self-defense. Yeah. And did you focus predominantly on the grappling side of it or the striking side of it then? Where would no, you funny, um, although I do jiu-jitsu, people always say, oh, that's that grappling stuff. But to be honest, I would say probably 80% of uh, 
my combat jiu-jitsu is striking. You know, I, I love striking. I've always been interested in boxing. And um, uh, as a youth, I, you know, youth clubs, I've done some boxing and stuff like that. So I always love that. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it's predominantly striking. And then secondary is the grappling stuff. So although... Um, when I was at my peak, I would say, yeah, I was, I was decent enough on the floor. Um, really, it was the, the standing striking that uh, I favoured, which also translates to the street where um, if you need to get something done, you need to get it done quickly. And yeah. grappling would certainly be only a, a secondary option if you have no other choice. So um, going into MMA, it, it allowed you to be able to explore any of those routes if you could keep it on your feet that's great you know if not then um obviously you needed to know what to do on the floor so it was um it was a natural transition from just training jiu-jitsu to move into mma and and see how you've done in that arena yeah yeah definitely and then the submission grappling as well did you find that another kind of test so you, they take away your 80 yeah. percent tools at that point you can't strike yeah so now just focus on the grappling so yeah um, exactly and that's what it was yeah it was taken away you know, probably 80% of your game and seeing if you could hold your own with um, some good grapplers. And, you know, I, I went everywhere. Um, I absolutely, I just love training. You know, I was fortunate to be able to train on seminars with Henzo Gracie, John Machado, you know, uh, Hoist Gracie, some of the, the top people, and obviously um, Neil Adams, uh, and they all helped you develop your grappling. And I used to think, well, how could I hold up against a good grappler without using all these other skills? And that become the next challenge for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, many a time you've got the floor white with you, you got tapped out, but you just come back again, come back again. And gradually you got better. You got, you got success. And, uh, in the end you, you were holding your own in that arena as well, which, which, which was nice to do. Yeah. You've always kind of stuck with the with the, the combat jiu-jitsu and, and focused on that. Was there ever a point where you thought about moving to Brazilian jiu-jitsu when it when it moved across and became more popular? Um, so did you ever think about just investing all of your time really into the BJJ and and taking that? Yeah, path, um, I no, I, I, I don't think so. I think to be honest, when um, BJJ came along, um, by then I was probably well in my forties, uh, early forties, and um, to start something else again from scratch was um, it's something at that moment in time I, I didn't really feel I wanted to do. Although I, I, I trained with a lot of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu people and, um, you know, they, they initially come, some of them come to my club initially when we do an MMA. So I, I enjoyed it, but um, I also felt because of the combative side of what I've always done, I felt there was too many rules too many stipulations in what you could you couldn't do in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu yeah. and I felt if I went down that road then um, your other skills would be eroded and uh, they wouldn't be natural um, I used to say to people I used to say how did you to get on when you first went into MMA and stuff like that and I said well if you looked at the the set of rules of all the things you couldn't do in MMA I was doing these things <laughs> on a daily basis yeah, so yeah. to be able to leave them at the mat side and not instinctively do them uh, was really hard and I got many you know funny stories or occasions where under pressure I've done something that's <laughs> not, not meant to be in the rules and whatever and then so you get pulled yeah. up for it so um I didn't want to lose that because it is very, very easy if you um, if you start getting involved in martial arts. It will it's combat sports, should I say, that take you down a certain route. 
then gradually that's where you go. So um, that was the reason um, I didn't really maybe pursue Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu further than, um, you know, just sort of enjoying training with the guys whenever I wanted to, right? That's fair, yeah. So talking about some of the competitive rules, so obviously the Olympics is, is, is recently going on and we've got the karate there, we've got the judo there the taekwondo and a lot of people a lot of martial arts have got a lot of opinions on kind of the, the martial aspect now of the olympic stuff yeah and again as someone who's had a wealth of experience in different things what's what's your opinion on, on um you know olympic sport martial arts should we say or combative martial arts and, and things like that yeah um obviously yeah there's always going to be you know arguments and debates about you know each martial art and whether it's effective yeah. or should they be I think for, for me, um, just the fact that martial arts are being represented in the Olympics is a, is a great thing. I, I don't think it matters what it is, whether it be karate, judo, but, you know, there's always going to be an armchair warrior sat there saying, oh, that's no good or that's not interesting. I mean, it's very much like Olympic wrestling for years. Unless you actually like Olympic wrestling, most people wouldn't watch it. They were bored watching two guys rolling around on the floor. What, what are they doing? Yeah, obviously, it's got a rich history and it, it goes back, you know, thousands of years. So, um from that side of things, I think just as it is an Olympic sport, then whichever martial art is, it's just nice to, to see it out there, really. Yeah, 100%. Cool. And your own kind of MMA career there ended at 43 years age, which, yeah. is, which is an impressive age, to be fair. Yeah. You know, you know, kind of most go mid-30s, maybe, late 30s, and that's kind of hanging up the gloves at that point and moving into the coaching. But 43 went and won a European welterweight championship. So I'm in awe. To be honest with you, like you. I'm in awe. It's just the fitness side of it. You know, I saw the fight. I think it's on YouTube. Um, just yeah, talk me through it. Like, how did you train for that? Did your training have to adapt as you got slightly older, or have you always just kept yourself in kind of that 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 level of fitness so age doesn't maybe take or takes less of an effect? Yeah, it was um, it was a big big moment for me um, with the MMA uh, initially. I started, I'd done amateur format of MMA. And to be honest, at the time, um, I put together a, a, a small group of guys to go up and, and to fight in one of the first amateur uh, MMA tournaments here. It was in Bath. Um, but as I was getting near it, I thought, I wonder if I could maybe have a go. Like, and I was, I think I was about 37 at the time. And I thought, well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Let's do it. So um, I went up and... Um, I competed and, and, and got on all right. And then I thought, well, I'll, I'll carry on. So in the end, I, I had maybe 12 or 14 amateur MMA fights. Yeah. And uh, then I thought, could I have a semi-pro fight? Would, would that be, could I get in the cage, have a semi-pro fight? Um, so I had a couple of semi-pro fights uh, afterwards, but then I was heading towards, you know, 42, 43. And I thought I'd really like to have a full professional MMA fight in the cage um, just to be able to draw a line under that and say, look, I've tested myself in all yeah. the sort of formats. So um, the opportunity come about again at the time I was training James Thompson, and a couple of other guys, and they were fighting on a, a big show in Bristol. And the promoter said to me, you know what would really be nice if you fought in front of your home crowd. Now, I had no intention of doing this, and I told my wife, Tina, after the last fight, that's it, I'm, I'm retiring. <laughs> I remember I come downstairs from making a phone call, and I never said anything. She looked at me and said, you're fighting again, aren't you? And um, I went, yeah, I am. <laughs> so um, 
the pressure was on then from then once people knew I was fighting in home crowd, uh, loads of people want to come and see. Yeah. Um, there's probably as many people there wanting to see me get my ass kicked as there was people <laughs> wanting to, <laughs> to congratulate you. There's lots of people, oh, you're too old, what are you doing that for? Blah blah blah. But um I, I had that belief in me that I was still fit. I've, I've always trained and um particularly in 20s and 30s, I trained prolifically. Like some of the stuff I've done, I look back now and think, I don't know, I'm still here with two arms and legs. Um, but I knew, although it would be tough, I felt I was fit enough, strong enough, and the technique was there. My opponent, very, very good, Sammy Barrett, went on to you know, have a, a long MMA career, um, but I just felt experience that I could, I could win the fight. So um, that's what got me there. Uh, and um, on the day, the, the pressure was in, incredible. Uh, but fortunate enough, I, I, I got the win. Uh, I always remember it was right at the end of the first round. I mean, it was at the end of like nearly about five minutes. And um, I got it, and I always remember when I won it, saying to my corner man, I was like, I'm glad that didn't go a second round because it, I really felt it. it. Everybody said it was the round of the, the show. It was so fast. Yeah. What I planned to do, um, I, I'd seen Sam, and I thought, I'll come out and um, I'll stand up. I mean, I think I think oh, I can win this stood up. But he he come out so fast and um, we went to the floor and the fight stayed on the floor. Yes. I never got back up again. So mm -hmm. um, the game plan out, went out the window and I had to change the second game plan. But um, I just felt on the floor. I just felt I was stronger than him and I didn't think he could uh, really hurt me. So um, I was just fortunate to when he turned his back and sunk that choking. That was a, that was a special moment. Yeah. <laughs> Did you feel at that point you could draw a line under it then? Or did you yeah, think, I, I think or, so. could I push it a bit further? I think if um if I'd lost, I probably would have thought maybe I'll come back again. Um I was offered, you know, from the European title shot and to go on from there. But um I was smart enough to know I enjoyed it, but it was hard. You know, I, I'm not kidding, you know, you, like you said quite rightly, you could do that at 33 and think, wow, that is tough. But at that age, I just thought, you know, I, I probably got myself up in the best shape that I can for that fight, but whether I could do it again and sustain it, when really I never intended to go that far in MMA, I just decided maybe it was a, the best time to go out on a win in front yeah. of a home crowd. I don't think really you, you could better that. Yeah, 100%. Um, you don't really teach regular classes anymore, do you? You kind of focus on specialised groups, one-to-ones, um, things like that. Why, why did that shift come about, perhaps? I think really because of um, MMA, uh, BJJ, uh, I find a lot of younger guys, they, they want to compete. They, they, you know, they want to test themselves. So they tend to go towards MMA or, or, or BJJ for that reason. So I found that not um, many younger people were coming into the combat jiu-jitsu, which um, was a shame. But um, if that's the way things were heading, you, you sort of had to accept that. So then I decided I'd rather train with people that were predominantly interested in the combative side of the art and, and self-defense. So um, I chose then to train privately or small groups or to do seminars where um, the, the people that come on them specifically want to come and train with me and train in the more combative aspects. Um, one of the things for me, which I'm trying to work hard to do is to preserve that side of the art, you know, to preserve the origins of where jiu-jitsu come from yeah. and um, be able to 
take a technique that's practical now, but be able to show where it come from 2,500 years ago, yeah, the lineage. You know, which is great. Otherwise, that side of things died. And um, I love BJJ. I've got some great friends and, and colleagues in it. But um, I feel for, for some people, that's their only perception of jujitsu. Yeah. When you speak to people, they'll say, well, that's that floor stuff where you roll around on the floor. And you think, well, there's a lot more to it than that. And uh, But um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of my peers have now either passed away or retired from the mat. So I feel, you know, I'm up there now in that group that needs to try and keep going and promoting this side of things so it doesn't the torch for it yeah yeah and to get people to black belt instructor level where they can carry this on so that it doesn't die away completely yeah and talking of kind of your syllabus and black belt syllabus and things like that what does a black belt for you mean so if you're a black belt in any martial art but especially your martial art and your system what do you think a black belt needs to needs to show and needs to be um, yeah, I think there's, there's two things. I think, first of all, any belt is a marker of time you spent in that chosen art. And the black belt, again, is um, a marker of um, you having stayed in that art. So you've got to uh, a, a reasonable level and degree of skill. But again, coming from the background of Japanese instruction, they always said, that's the start. When you get your black belt, now you start learning. Yeah, yeah. So um, I still think of that, you know, as you get your black belt, I got my first black belt at 21. I was over the moon. I thought I knew everything. But <laughs> 10 years down the line, I realized actually I didn't. You know, I, I was a reasonable level, but then you realize there's more and more that goes on. So um, I think, yeah, it's just a marker. It's an award to say, look, you've devoted X number of years and time, discipline, effort into your art, which is nice, but it doesn't make you a Superman. It doesn't make you invincible. And out on the streets, you're not wearing a, a black belt. So, um, you know, I think that's it. Um, for me also, I, I did try and keep, um, you know, the, the sort of virtues and, uh, and uh, what the samurai believed in and that's to have a black belt you need to be a black belt on the mat and a black belt off the mat yeah. and try and lead your life that way we're all human we all make mistakes we've all got failings but um, martial arts have helped me being stronger and more disciplined in other areas of my life as well and um, you know I like to think that's translated over to other people that I've taught so I think you need to you know be humble you, you need to sort of your ego needs to be crushed left at the mat side but at the same time, you know, if, if you sort of poke an old lion long enough, they're going to bite <laughs> you. And um, that's that's how I try to see things, you know. But I'm quite happy to invisibly walk around and, you know, I don't have to sort of prove anything to people. Um, it's out there. I've done what I've done. But now I'm quite happy to, you know, let other people get on with it and blaze their trail as well. Like, if I can help them, then, you know, I will help them. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, you've done some other stuff as well then, so a man of many talents, as we said at the start. Uh, you've done some video series that I've just been having a look at. It looks really good, as well as being an author for fiction and non-fiction books. So how easy did you find it to kind of put a pen to paper and start writing and um, get your thoughts out? Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Um, the first pe person that really helped or encouraged me with my writing was Jeff Thompson. And um, I had quite a close relationship with Jeff, um, particularly in the 90s. Again, he was a he was a great inspiration to me and his sort of his journey and the things he was talking about, there were so many similarities I felt I had to meet him. Yeah. So when I met him, we we trained and that was great. But at the time he was into his writing, I just asked him, give me a little bit of advice. 
And um, I started writing for martial arts magazines back in the day, combat, fighters, uh, those type of things. And it gave me a bit of a, a foot in the door and, and helped me uh, begin to, to, to write, put together um, stuff that I wanted to get out there to people and for people to know my name. Then on the back of that, the same as anything, you get to the point where you think, could I write a book? You know, I've got an idea. I would like to do it. So I thought, well, let's, let's give it a go. Um, which um, I did. I was fortunate enough to, to find a publisher, another uh, old martial arts friend of mine, Jamie O'Keefe, and um, he published it through New Breed. And then that gave me a, an outlet. He said, look, if you want to write more, then I'll publish. So I, I carried on. Uh, the, the writing was, I, I've always liked, enjoyed writing, although I'm not an academic in any shape or form. I left school at 15 with very few qualifications, but um, it was something I liked. I love reading and writing become natural. Um, so um, from there, then um, I just wrote prolifically, really martial arts stuff, uh, books, pamphlets, uh, you know, uh, everything. Uh, but part of it was to try and get this stuff down as well on, on paper, uh, because it's all it was all up here. But I felt the need at a certain time in my life to to get this information down and out there to other people. So yeah. uh, I was again on a bit of a mission where I was writing and trying to get everything down. Um, but then when you get to the point where you feel like I've said what I wanted to say, my real passion was from a child was to write a fictional book. And that was a massive, that was hard as any black belt grading <laughs> I've ever done because yeah. it was just something that really pushed me out of my comfort zone. And uh, I wrote some short stories, first of all, to see how I would get on. And then I just thought, no, I'd really like to write a full-blown novel. So um, that started that journey, uh, which was great, a real great learning experience again. And when I done it, I thought, brilliant. I had no, I've, I've done it, I've, same as everything else. But then I thought, you know what? I've got an idea. I've got an idea for another one, yeah. and um, on the back of that, an idea for another. And now this has become something that um, you know I want to keep pursuing and see how far I can go with it. I'm still learning. I'm still learning about writing all the time. I know me uh, by no means like Stephen King, but yeah. um, it's something that I find another challenge. Um, as you get older, physically, there's only so much you can do. I feel I've met every physical challenge out there really over the years. And I just wanted to make sure how can I challenge myself in other shapes or forms. And this time writing has challenged me mentally. And um, it's, it's just as uh, satisfying as when I've been training. Perfect. What are the names of some of your fiction books then? Okay, if I, I've done um, three, the trio called Battle Stars, um, No Hiding Place and Last Stand. And they were all about a fictional character who was an ex-paratrooper martial artist who fell on hard times and gets involved in... Um, some different situations where uh, he's got to get himself out of them. And um, it started off as one book, but then I had another two books from the back of that. So it was a trilogy for those. And then uh, recently I've wrote another couple of standalone books and there's another one in the pipeline as well. They're all on Amazon. You know, if you just yep. put my name in there, they'll, they'll pop up along with um, obviously the autobiography I've done as well when we were warriors and some of my older books from back in the day. Yeah. Fantastic. Is that more of the focus for you at the moment and then looking into the future in kind of 2022, 23 and onwards? Are you going to focus more on the on the um, the writing side, do you think? Still a, a split of both. I've, I've still got private students that are training with me, which I, I would like to get them to Black Belt. Uh, one just recently, um, yeah, a couple of weeks back, uh, got to there. He'd been training with me seven years. I've got others that are, you know, heading towards it. And I would like to 
have them as the last generation really of probably black belts that I would personally teach. So yeah. that keeps me going. I've still got that. Um, I won't sort of have to a job. I'm going to have to finish it, whether it kills me or not. I will. I will do that. But in the same token, when I'm away from the gym, which um, is more often these days, because for years I just lived in there 24 seven, um, I needed something else to focus on. And that's where the writing comes into play, which I enjoy and I find it relaxing as well. Cathartic. Yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I've got heaps and heaps of respect for you, um, as many people in the martial arts world do. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to chat. That's all right. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Nice to speak to you, Dan. Yeah, you too. All right. Thank you so much, Kevin. Take thank care. Thank you.